How's everyone doing today? Yeah, come on. It's good to be in the house of the Lord this morning. We're so glad that you're here this morning. So yeah, let's just go ahead and stand. Let's go ahead and maybe stretch out a little bit, clear your, your throats. We're about to sing some songs of praise and worship to, to the one who's worthy. Amen. And uh, as you can already tell, it looks a little bit different up here and it's, that's okay. It's intentional. We're just going to gather around the living room for, for a few minutes. And again, we're just going to offer our praise and worship to the Lord. Uh, Psalm 63 says, you God are my God. Earnestly I seek you. I thirst for you. My whole being longs for you in a dry and parched land where there is no water. I have seen you in the sanctuary and beheld your power and your glory. Because your love is better than life, my lips will glorify you. I will praise you as long as I live. And in your name, I will lift up my hands. I will be fully satisfied as with the richest of foods. With singing lips, my mouth will praise you. So church, with this idea of just coming before the Lord this morning, I want to invite you to lift your hands today if you're comfortable. And we're just going to surrender before him. We're going to admire his greatness. We're going to praise him for what he's done, for who he is. So right there where you're at, I just want to invite you to begin to open up your mouth. Begin to thank the Father for who he is to you. Everything that he's done. Father, we thank you. We bless your name. Father, we praise you for your, for your greatness, for your wonder, for your majesty, God, for your power. God, you are glorious. There is no one like you. Jesus, we thank you for the sacrifice that was made on that cross. We thank you for the price that you paid for our sins. We recognize that we deserve that punishment, but you love us so much that you came humbly to this earth. And we thank you, Jesus. Holy Spirit, we invite you in this place right here and right now. Won't you come and have your way? Come on, church, begin to just lift up your, your, your praise to the Lord. Open up your mouth this morning. Open up your heart today. Oh, Holy Spirit, won't you come? Won't you come and fill us? Oh, we want more of you. We need more of you, Jesus. Oh, Father, we thank you. We say thank you for all that you've done. Yeah. Come on, let's sing. Holy Spirit, you are Become more aware of your presence. 
God wants us to make friends. Church is a good place to do that. Check out Group Launch on February 20th. We'll help you find friends. February is the month of love. I'm not going to say love. But marriage is very important. And we know taking care of us can make you a little tiring and grumpy. Moms, dads, we think that you should take marriage matters and get filled up. Family Fun Night is February 16th. And we want to go. Hey, sign us up. Um, our older brothers and sisters can go to Dark World. Thanks for giving to Northwoods. It helps spread the love of Jesus to everyone. You can text GIVE to the number on the screen. Or use the drop boxes in the back of the auditorium. That's all we got. Thanks for coming today. Enjoy the rest of church. Super Bowl Sunday, and uh, you know, before we go any further, we need to celebrate the fact that last Sunday, Baptism Sunday here, we had 102 people who took their next step with Jesus through baptism. It's incredible. And if you're one of those 102 that came up and got baptized, we'll let you know again, we're so proud of you, and just continue to keep on walking with Jesus. And again, this week before I get going, I want to remind you that I need your help for an upcoming series that we're gonna be starting after Easter called You Asked For It. It's a series that we're bringing back again this year, and it's where you get to have a say into what I preach. And so if you have questions, questions about anything such as life, culture, God, the Bible, we wanna ask you to submit those questions to the number coming up on the screen. You can text them to the number 
and the questions are anonymous. No one knows who you are. We're not looking at your question going, who, who in the world submitted that? So now, last week you had four weeks to do it. Now you got three weeks to do it. And, uh, and then after this period of three weeks with submitting questions, then we'll have a period where we vote on the questions. And the top five will be uh, revealed on Easter Sunday. And then we'll jump into those after Easter. So again, need your help. Submit those questions. Uh, you don't have to do it right now, but again, sometime in the next couple weeks. So today we're continuing our series, I Have Decided. And each week, I'm gonna be bringing you to a decision point that I believe will lead you into more of what the Lord has for you. So we're now into the second week of February, and I won't ask you to raise your hand, but I'm guessing some of us set out at the beginning of the year to change something or to grow in an area or of our lives. And I wonder how many of us are already face down or behind on our New Year's resolutions. Maybe you had, you know, I'm gonna lose 10 pounds this year and here in February you're saying, I'm doing great, I've only got 15 more to go. <laughs> you know, it's, it's kind of funny, I, I saw a picture this week that reminds me, uh, uh, it's a New Year's resolution list that reminds me of how sometimes we, we get behind or we just don't get it done when it comes to change and growth. They'll put it up on the, on the screen. You see there someone's New Year's resolution, lose weight again. I like number four, stand up to boss has been replaced with find a job. <laughs> try to be nicer to my wife and it's now try to be nicer to my ex-wife. Sort out junk in the shed and now it's just sort out junk in my life. Now I was recently uh, in Barnes and Noble and uh, the question of how to change and grow is one that seems to be a, a pretty big subject. In fact, you walk into a, a bookstore, you'll find that in Barnes & Noble, at least, there's a pretty large section devoted to self-help issues. And many of the books get it, the issues of how to change or to grow yourself in an area. For example, here are a few taglines I saw reloaded, related to growth and change. And I'm saying taglines because some of the titles of the books aren't, necessary, uh, aren't necessarily PG rated. Some of them, I'm like, who came up with that title? But here's some taglines, how to build good health, our good habits and break bad ones. How to conquer procrastination, fear, envy, neediness, guilt, and more. How to use self-control and mental toughness to achieve your goals. How to become your best self. How to let go of the past, look towards the future, and finally enjoy the emotional freedom you deserve. And I, just kind of looking at some of these books that are out there, I think it speaks to the idea of the fact that whether you're a follower of Jesus or not, there's a large appetite for learning how to grow and change. And so this week I've titled the message, I have decided to grow spiritually. I've decided to grow spiritually. And this picks up where we left off last week, because last week we talked about I have decided to follow Jesus. And we talked about how following Jesus means being committed to becoming more like him. And so now the question is, if I've made that commitment in my heart that I desire to follow Jesus and wanna become more like him, how does that Christ-like growth take place in my life? And to answer that question, there are many places we could turn in the Bible today, but today I'm gonna to focus our attention on a passage of scripture found in the book of Philippians, chapter three. So if you wanna follow along in your Bible or the Bible app, you can turn 
there now or swipe there, tap there, whatever you gotta do. We'll also have the scriptures on the screen as always. But Philippians was a short letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to the church of Philippi while he was in prison. And he writes this letter to the Philippians for a few different reasons. He writes them to thank them for a gift they'd sent him. He writes them to, to, to assure them that he's still in good spirits. But he also writes to encourage them in their faith and challenge them to keep growing spiritually, keep growing in your love for the Lord. In fact, early on in the letter, Paul talks about his desire to depart and be with Christ, meaning I just, I'm ready to go to my heavenly home. But then he says it's necessary that I remain for now, and I'm convinced for the time being that I will. And then he says, and I like how the New Living Translation puts it, he says, knowing this, I'm convinced that I'll remain alive so I can continue to help all of you grow and experience the joy of your faith. And I think it's interesting here that growth is connected with joy. Now, growth isn't always, isn't always the most joyful thing in the world, but when we are growing spiritually, there is a joy that comes along with it. So Paul says the reason I'm still around and part of the reason I'm writing this letter is so that I can help you continue to grow spiritually, so that I can be an example to you of growing spiritually and how this happens. So with that in mind, we're gonna jump to a passage in chapter three where Paul goes on to share, basically kind of from his example, what I'm gonna call five components of growth. And I call them components because they're not, it's not like these are sequential or have to happen in a step-by-step order. They're not like, it's not like something linear. It's just, these are components that are all involved in the process of spiritual growth. In fact, on Saturday nights, this is kind of, on Saturday nights, I always like to preach my message first to my wife. And I discovered an area that I need to continue to grow uh, because she always helps me like, hey, don't say that tomorrow. Just don't say that. Um, But I I hadn't got all of my steps in yesterday. And so I said, I'm going to get on the treadmill. I'm going to preach while I'm on the treadmill. And I cranked it all all the way up to like the the incline. And then I had it at walking speed. And I could bear, I was like, I got to get, I got to get my lung capacity better because I was having to take breaths, just trying to preach the thing while I'm walking on an incline. Michaela's like, can you just like put the treadmill down to like just flat and walk slower? And so I got an area of growth to do when it comes to, uh, Um, some of my, uh, what would you call that, endurance or whatever it is. So, okay, Paul says here's kind of five components that are involved in growing spiritually. They're all involved in the process, okay? So here's component number one, desiring to know Christ more. Desiring to know Christ more. Now, we're gonna pick it up at verse seven in chapter three. And in the few verses leading up to verse seven, Paul lists all of his past achievements and accomplishments and work that he did to try and grow and earn his salvation to make himself righteous before God. But then in verse seven, he says this, but whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ, key phrase there, of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in him. 
not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. And he says this again, I want to know Christ. So a couple of things we see here. Paul shares that salvation is not something we earn. It's a gift from God on the basis, it says on the basis of faith. So when we turn from our sin and place our faith in him, he declares us righteous in his sight. And it's a righteousness that comes from God. But did you catch Paul's heart twice? He talked about knowing Christ. I want to know Christ. And I think what's interesting about his statement is that at this point in his life, he'd already known Christ for almost 30 years. So what he's saying is that even after all of this time, I wanna know Christ better and better and continue to grow closer and closer to him. In other words, he has a desire, or we might say a passion, to know Christ more. So here's a question. Do you? Maybe you've been walking with the Lord for a long time, just like him, but where is your desire level, your passion level to know Christ more? Do you have a desire and a passion to know Christ more? Recently, I read about a pastor who asked a friend he was having lunch with this question, where are you at with God these days? And to his surprise, his friend answered, I'm not anywhere, and I haven't been anywhere for a long time. When it comes to my Christian life, I'm going through the motions. There was a time in my younger years when it all seemed to grab my imagination, you know, Christ and faith. I really wanted to make my Christian commitment the absolute center of everything, but I've lost it. And so now I perform more out of habit than anything else. Reading that, I thought, what's missing there? Passion, desire to know Christ. And reading that makes me wonder how many of us are in the same place today. Maybe going through the motions, but having lost all passion and desire for growing closer to Christ. Christ. Listen, if that's you, you'd say, that's where I'm at this morning. Let me just start by saying, welcome to the club, okay? We've all been there. It happens to every one of us from time to time. In fact, my daughter, this is kind of funny, she came up yesterday to us in the living room. She said, you know what? Sometimes I don't really feel like learning about Jesus. Is that okay? And I said, yeah, that's okay. Sometimes we get to that place. And it's, you know, it's okay to verbalize that too. All right, we all go through times like that. Isn't that something wrong with you if, you if you're there? You're normal, okay? But you say, okay, well, I, I don't really feel like I have a lot of passion, desire for this, but how do I get it back? Well, I think that starts with reflecting on when you lost your passion. So go back and say, when did I have passion? And, and when did that passion begin to wane? And, and why is that? So when, when did I lose it and why? Only you can answer that question. I can tell you, speaking for myself, often when my passion has waned, it's usually because I'm living drained. And that even rhymed. It's when my passion has waned, it's usually because I'm living drained. I got too many things I'm trying to fit into my life. But that's me. What is it for you? You know, maybe God didn't come through how you hoped, and so you've been angry with God, and thus your passion is kind of non-existent. Maybe life's turned a lot at you lately, and every day is just a battle to put one foot in front of the other. 
you're weary and your passion is dying, if you've lost your desire or passion, I wanna encourage you this week to spend some time and prayerfully ask the question, when did my passion begin to wane? And why? Just begin to prayerfully ask that question. Maybe begin to journal. What, what was going on in my life when the passion began to wane? So the first component of spiritual growth is desiring to know Christ more. Here's component number two. Relying on God's power. So we, denied it, we, we desire to know him more but there's also a reliance on God's power. So let's continue where we left off with Paul's thoughts. So he says, I wanna know Christ. And then he says, yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his suffering, which reminds us again that suffering is a part of the Christian life, but also suffering is how we sometimes experience the power of Christ in our life. He says, becoming like him in his death and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. So he's saying, I wanna know the power of the resurrection. I wanna experience the power that raised Jesus from the dead. I wanna experience that someday when Christ raises me up from the dead, but also right now. As one scholar put it, according to Paul, that same incomparably great power, the power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead, is the power that is in work in us to make us holy, to make us a fit place for Jesus to dwell, to enable us to grasp the limitless dimensions of God's love for us, to strengthen us so that we have great endurance and faith and lives constantly characterized by thanksgiving. So once you get what Paul is saying, all growth, spiritual growth, is really reliant on God's power at work in us. Meaning we, we can't just sit here and go, oh, I'm gonna make myself grow, no. I can, I can do things or I can put myself in position to grow, but God is ultimately the one who brings the growth. It's like, you know, I have, an, I have an apple tree at home in our yard and the tree doesn't sit there. I've never heard the tree like straining, like oh, I gotta grow apples this year. Oh. Never heard that. But you know what happens? When the conditions are right, when the tree's rooted, you know, when there's, when there's rain, sunshine, whatever, the soil's right, the fruit just happens. The growth takes place. And that really is what is true of our lives as well. When, when we are putting ourselves in position, and some of the components I'm talking about is how we position ourselves, God is the one who will bring the growth. Elsewhere, Paul, talking to the church at Corinth, he said this, I planted the seed, meaning the seed of faith. He came and preached the gospel. I planted the seed. Apollos, he came behind and watered it. So he came, he continued to teach you, help you know what it means to follow Christ. He cared for you. But God has been making it, meaning the seed of faith, grow. So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. Makes things grow. Again, growth is reliant on God's power at work in us. Now, when it comes to growth, I think we often embrace one of three different mindsets. I recently heard another communicator speak on this idea, so I'm kind of borrowing from him, okay? Two of these mindsets are what I call limiting mindsets. One is a growth mindset. So here's the first limiting mindset. We might call it me for Christ. Me for Christ. So this is the mindset it's the idea that we think to grow, it means we do a bunch of things for Jesus. 
I read my Bible, check. I pray, check. I tithe, check. I serve at church, check. I serve in a homeless shelter, check. I go on a mission trip, check. Check, 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 check. I'm doing all these things for you, Jesus. And I'm not saying any of those things are wrong. Those are all good things, and I think they should be a part of our lives. But sometimes those things can become about simply checking a box. It's about what I do, okay? That's what we call doo-doo religion, okay? It's about what I do do for Jesus. I always love a good number two joke, okay? Doo-doo religion. It's what you do-do for Jesus, but you know what? It's exhausting, and frankly, it stinks, okay? So me for Christ, limiting mindset, number one. Here's the second limiting mindset. Me and Christ. Me and Christ. It's a little better than the first, and here we've learned that we can't grow or live the Christian life on our own, but this mindset focuses primarily on Christ rescuing us when we are in dire need. So a good analogy would be tag team wrestling. Now, I'm not a big, like, WWE, you know, the, 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 the fake wrestling, you know, where they get in the ring, and I, I know lots of people love that. Um, but I was just listening to Hulk Hogan on a podcast, and so I kind of got into wrestling. I was going back and looking at some of his stuff, and he was talking about how he's actually come to know Jesus. That's why I was listening to it. But it gave me this idea of tag team wrestling. This is kind of the mindset of me and Christ. So it's like we're in the ring with the enemy, and as long as we're holding our own, we're good. But then there's those times where the enemy goes and picks up, you know, he comes over here, picks up a stool, comes from behind you, and just, boom, just slams you over the head, right? And you're like, oh, oh, and you go over to Jesus, like, Jesus, help me. Oh, man, I'm hurting. Oh, tag in. Jesus comes flying in, comes, just comes with a clothesline, right? Choke slam, puts him down, flying leg drop. I mean, he's just wearing Satan out. Put him in an ankle lock, and it gives you enough time to really catch your breath. You're like, okay, all right, all right, I'm feeling better. Okay, tag me back in. I'm good now. So you, Jesus takes you back in, and you're like, okay, I'm back at it. And you keep going at it until you're worn out again. The enemy's got the upper hand. You go back to Jesus. Jesus, okay, I tag you in. You're in now. This is what our, some of us, our lives are like, is it's this constant cycle of basically you going back and forth. Jesus, you're in. Okay, now it's my turn. This is your spiritual life. You and Christ, okay? It's entertaining, but it's also pretty limiting when it comes to spiritual growth. So you got the limiting mindset of me for Christ, then me and Christ. Here's a growth mindset. Christ in me. Christ in me. This is relying on God's power at, at work in you. Look what Paul said elsewhere in Galatians. He said, I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The Lord said to the prophet Zechariah, it's not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord Almighty. And where does Christ's spirit live? Inside of us. So growth relies on his power. We don't just grow by, you know, tying our boots a little tighter and getting after it. All right, this means learning to yield to the Holy Spirit and daily asking him to fill us afresh with his power, with his strength, bring about fresh fruit in my life, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Help me to yield to you today and let everything flow out of your strength living in me. So, first couple components, we desire to know Christ more. 
We rely on God's power. Here's component number three, engaging in spiritual disciplines. Engaging in spiritual disciplines. So let's continue reading, okay? Philippians 3.12, Paul continues. Not that I have already obtained all this, or I've arrived at my goal of knowing Christ even better, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. So it doesn't say the word spiritual disciplines in here, but I want you to think about this, okay? The term press on means to move rapidly and decisively toward an objective. So he's saying, I'm pressing on to know Christ more. There's an active pursuit. Well, how does that happen in our lives? Well, part of the way we move toward Christ is through engaging in spiritual disciplines. How do I know more, what, what God wants for my life if I've never read his word? How am, I, how am I learning to hear his voice and respond to what he's saying if I don't spend time in prayer? Like, th- this is where spiritual disciplines come in. So disciplines such as, we could say, daily worship. Now, again, we know that all of life is worship, but I say here, setting aside a time for a daily quiet time where you spend time reading the word, maybe listening to the word, there's apps you can do that, and praying. And again, we don't do this to check a box. We do this to position ourselves to hear from God. Hearing and responding to him is how how growth takes place. So we say daily worship. What about weekly worship? What we're doing right now, where we come together, gathering with other believers to not only sing to the Lord, but to hear the preaching of his word, This is part of positioning yourself to hear from the Lord and be encouraged by others. Growth doesn't happen alone. We need others. So we could say daily worship, weekly worship. How about serving? We're going to talk about this in a couple weeks, but we encourage everybody to serve somewhere in the church. Now, it's not just because we need people to serve, but because putting the spiritual gifts God has placed in us to work for the kingdom is not only what God calls each of us to do, but it's one of the ways God helps us to grow in our giftings. Also, today is second Sunday sack lunch. So you can go out in the, uh, the atrium, fall in the service, and you can pay $5 for a sack lunch that will go to supporting our mission teams. And I'll just say this, if you've never been on a mission trip, let me encourage you to consider going and serving others. In fact, this has been on my heart. If, if you're a family, and you have kids, how about instead of just going on another carefree vacation this year where you sit around the pool, go walk the beach, and live it up, what would it be like for you if you said, you know what, this year, I'm gonna take my family and we're gonna go serve together on a mission trip. There are mission trips where you can do that, take your family and go and serve. Now, I want you to hear me. I'm not saying it's wrong to go on a carefree vacation. I love the beach just as, next, just as much as anyone else. But what I am saying is that, you know what, sometimes there, 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 are, there is a place for saying, you know what, instead of just taking our time and going to sit by the pool, let's go together as a family and let's go serve. You want to know what? One of the things that I remember from a mission trip in high school, I went to the Dominican Republic, and I still remember that when I was in the Dominican Republic as a high schooler, the Lord spoke very clearly to me that part of the way he had wired me is that I'm going to use you to help people find and follow Jesus Christ. Now, I didn't know what that meant at the time, but a seed was planted in my heart as I was serving 
children. And I just think that for the next generation, part of the way that we, we get to a place where we stop seeing so many young people leave the church is by helping them realize uh, through serving and getting them connected and saying this, this is what it means to follow Christ, is that they're getting connected and engaged with the church, and part of that happens through serving. And so I'd encourage you to stop by that table out in the atrium and look into it. So we talk about daily worship, weekly worship, serving, tithing, fasting, witnessing, sharing your story with others. We could talk about many different disciplines, but the point is growth is going to involve an active, disciplined pursuit. And I want you to notice what Paul said here, because again, this is really important. I'm gonna bring up that verse, Philippians 3.12 again. He said, I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. So think about this. Paul's basically saying, why am I actively pursuing Christ? Is it because I'm trying to earn brownie points? Is it because I'm trying to impress him? Nope, it's because first and foremost, Jesus Christ took hold of me. He pursued me. My life is in his hands. And so my pursuit flows not from a place of trying to earn his love, but from a place of knowing I'm already loved. I'm his. And so this is, again, spiritual discipline. It's not like I gotta check the box, I gotta do this for Jesus. It's no, I, I know I'm already loved and I, do, I just wanna know him more. And this is part of the way that happens. So the first component, desire to know Christ more. So it really gets at the question of where's my passion? The, the second component is that we rely on God's power. Then component number three is engaging in spiritual disciplines. Here's component number four. We're talking about here's, here's how growth takes place. And I'd say this way, living with a single-minded focus. Living with a single-minded focus. So let's continue reading on. Verse 13 and 14. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing, this is, this is so important, one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead. Emphasis on here just for a moment, one thing. He said, but one thing. Doesn't necessarily mean he only did one thing in life, but it means there is one thing that got more of his energy and attention than anything else. And I think the reason many of us have seen little to no growth spiritually is simply because our lifestyles are so jam-packed and full that there is not sufficient time and energy to produce the kind of spiritual growth we desire. Let me show you two pictures I came across in some of my reading that really resonated with me. So here's, here's the first picture they're gonna put up. So it's a picture you'll see, there's a circle and it says energy in the middle of it. So it's this picture, and leave it up there guys, is really a picture of, shows what happens when our energy is divided into so many different activities. The result is we make very little progress in a million different directions. Doing all kinds of things, but making very little progress. Trying to fit it all in. Kids' activities and schedule, keeping up with our favorite shows, demands of work, upkeep on the home, fitness goals, checking in with friends, etc. Lots of things, and none of it's necessarily bad. But again, it keeps us from making progress, uh, making good progress, because we're making little progress in all kinds of different directions. But then let me show you the next picture. We're gonna put that up on the screen now. So think about what happens in this picture. In this picture, our energy is given to one primary activity and the result is there is much 
more significant prog progress in the thing that matters most. So I want you to get this. The first image happens by default. The second image, the one that's up there now, happens by design. Now I get it, we can't just focus on one thing in life. We have a lot that we're, you know, we're trying to balance and manage. But what I'm saying is that to grow, we have to order our life in a way that results in us giving energy to fewer things. Or maybe we might say the most important things. You've seen the analogy before, maybe where, um, I've seen it where a guy brought up a, a bucket of rocks and a bucket of sand and has a bucket in the middle. If you pour all the sand in first, and then try and put the big rocks in, you can't fit everything. But if you start by putting the big rocks in first and then take the sand, you can fit almost all the sand. It's the point that you gotta take care of and put energy and time into what are, what are the big rocks of my life? Following Jesus, uh, taking care of my marriage, my family, whatever, whatever that list might be. But it all starts with I'm gonna prioritize Jesus. So you take care of the big rocks first. You make sure... Those are in your schedule first. These are the things I'm gonna give energy to. All of their things have a way of just kind of fitting in. So what I'm saying is we can't just focus on, yes, I'm, I know we can't focus on one thing, but we order our life in a way that results in us giving energy to the most important things. During the fast this year, the Lord showed me that I was trending towards number one, putting energy into a lot of things, making little progress. So for me, I had to go back and take inventory of where I'm placing my energy and my time, and I had to make some trade-offs. There's a lot of things I can still fit in, but I can't fit in everything. And sometimes trade-offs can be hard. For example, we've just kind of found this, we had an example of this in our family this week. One of our things that we said, hey, this is, this is important and we're not gonna let anything impede on this, is our time together as a family. So we've, we've decided this, we currently have three of our kids in swim lessons. Happens once a week on Thursday. But just recently, the swim lesson was canceled because the instructor was sick. And so they rescheduled the class to Friday night. What I had already planned is gonna be our time together as a family. So now we got a decision to make. Swim lessons or family time? Now, my wife and I had a good talk about this. It's a tough decision because we had paid for the lesson, but ultimately, I. I I said, listen, the swim instructor is not gonna run my life. I've already decided we're having family time tonight. And so I'm not gonna give up my time with my family just so we can fit one more swim lesson in that they decide to reschedule. I want my kids to know how to swim, yes. But I'm not gonna let it crowd out what's most important to us. And that's spending time together as a family. as a trade-off we made in that moment. And I, want, and I just share that to say, you're gonna, that's gonna happen all the time. And so if you wanna grow, stop trying to first and foremost fit it all in. Step back and say, what are the few things that matter most to us as a family? And then put those on your schedule first and then build around them. It's a single-minded focus. And then here's component number five, pursuing freedom from the past pursuing freedom from the past. Paul continues, he says, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward. Let me go back and I, I wanna make sure I, I get this right here. 
one thing, let's, let's just start there again. One thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. I want you to think about this. He says, one thing I do, forgetting what is behind, straining toward what is ahead. So he's pursuing Christ. He has his gaze fixed on what lies ahead. It's the imagery of a runner who, instead of looking over his shoulder, he's looking ahead to the finish line. He's got his gaze focused heavenward. A picture that, of this that kind of came to mind this week was a famous photo from the 2016 Olympics when Michael Phelps faced off against Chad LeClaude in the, the 200-meter butterfly swimming event. I've always loved this picture, but if you put it up, you'll see in this picture, Phelps is there in the bottom of the screen. He's laser-focused on what's ahead, finishing the, you know, the end of the pool. Then you got Chad LeClaude up there who had been talking trash the entire week, and his focus is over his shoulder, and he's focused on Michael Phelps. Phelps went on to win that race. Phelps is the one who's saying, I'm laser-focused on what's ahead. The other guy looking over his shoulder focused on what's going on around him. So kind of like Phelps, Paul's saying, I'm focused on what lies ahead. But again, what was it that allowed him to focus on what was ahead and continue to grow? He said it, it's forgetting the past. Well, what's in the past? Well, he's talked about all of his accomplishments that he, puts his conf- that he had put his confidence in. But behind him are all of his failures. He had persecuted the church, put Christians in jail. You think that was a source of pain for him moving forward? Now, when he says, I've forgotten, it doesn't mean I'll, I'll never remember it. He's saying, I'm no longer dwelling on it and, and being hindered by it. In other words, he has resolved the issues of the past. He's worked with the Lord to see freedom from the bondage and the wounds of the past, and this is what allows him to continue moving forward because he's resolved what's in the past. You know, one author shared a story of a man named Dean that illustrates this well. He said, while in a village in Africa, Dean asked the question in this village, who's the fastest runner in the entire village? Everyone there knew the answer. They pointed to uh, a very athletic young man, so he invited this runner to participate. He said, come on up. I want to ask you to participate in a race, and if you win, Uh, there'll be a a monetary prize. So the runner agreed. Then Dean called forward a much younger girl to be his opponent. And immediately everyone in the village began to laugh because they know there's no way that this young girl is going to beat the fastest runner in the village. But there were a few special rules that Dean hadn't revealed. So first he pulled out a backpack full of heavy rocks and put it on the man. Then he pulled out a rope and he asked some of the bystanders to come up and tie the ropes around the legs of this runner. Then it was time for the race. He says, go. Who do you think won? Well, obviously the young girl won easily. And Dean then proceeded to pull out his Bible and he read Hebrews 12.1. He said, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. And he went on to explain, no one runs the race of the Christian life well if they are in bondage to the rocks that weigh them down 
and the ropes that ensnare them. The rocks are like the wounds from the past that hinder us, and the ropes are like the sin that entangles us. And so if we're going to grow, we must seek freedom from both. And this is why we offer things like freedom ministry here at Northwoods, which will help you walk through some of the wounds, the, you know, the pain, the lies of the past that have left you feeling stuck. Probably have prayer appointments where you can share with a safe group of people and invite God's healing through prayer. See, if we're gonna continue to grow, we have to pursue freedom from the past. So five components of growth. Now, some of you just heard this message and thought, okay, well, there's absolutely no way I can grow because there's no way that I have time and room for all of those things in my life. Here's the good news. I'm not asking you to fit all of those into your life. What I'm asking you to do is I'm encouraging you to focus on just one component. Just one. Which component do you need to focus on? Maybe it's the first component, desiring to know Christ more. And the question there is really, when did I lose my passion and why? Maybe that's for you. That's the only place you need to focus right now is I've lost my passion. And before I go any further, I need to stop and say, when did I lose it and why? Maybe that's for you. Maybe it's the second one, relying on God's power, learning to rely on God's strength and asking the Holy Spirit to fill you afresh daily. Maybe it's engaging in spiritual disciplines. Maybe there is a discipline. Don't try to do, you know, five or six. Let's say, you know what? I'm gonna be consistent with one discipline for the next period of time. Maybe I'm gonna start spending time in God's word every day. Maybe I'm gonna sign up and go on a mission trip and I'm gonna start serving. Or maybe the component is living with a single-minded focus. For you, it could be going through and reordering your life to make room for the things that matter most. Or maybe it's the fifth component, pursuing freedom from from the past. Choosing to start working through the pain, wounds, and sins that tend to hold us back from becoming all that God has called us to be. So I'm not asking you to do all of them. I'm asking you to focus on one component. If you want to grow, I believe this is biblically how that happens. So as we close now, we are going to spend time coming around the Lord's table uh, for a moment here and take communion together. And I think as we come to the table, we're reminded again that spiritual growth is really the fruit of resting in God's power and his love for us. Because you know, when we come to the table, we're reminded again that God invites us to come to the table. He invites you to come to the table and we're reassured again of God's love for us. This is where all of spiritual growth starts, is recognizing that there's not something I have to do to earn his love. He already loves me. I'm a loved child of God. And so as we come to the table this morning, be reminded that he invites you to the table to come and sit with him as a child of his. And so we know the Bible says that on the night Jesus was betrayed, he took bread and said, take and eat. This is my body, broken for you. Because I love you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's partake together.
And then after supper, he took the cup. He said, this is the blood of the new covenant. Poured out for the forgiveness of sins. You just thank him right now. Jesus, thank you that you've washed me white as snow. Thank you that you've forgiven all of my sin. Thank you for your blood, Jesus. Took the cup and said, this is new covenant in my blood. Whenever you drink of it, do this in remembrance of me. Let's partake together. Now, church, if you would, I want to ask you to stand. And as I was recently reading Jesus uh, having the last supper with his disciples and saying, this is my body, take and eat. This, this cup represents my blood. It said that after supper, after the supper, they sang a hymn and then they went out. And so I thought it might be a great way to close our time together around the table by singing a hymn together in the same way they did. And then, so we're gonna sing together. Maybe some of you will know the song, some of you might not, but I'd encourage you, the words will be on the screen. It's an old hymn, Just As I Am. Sing it with us, and then I'll come back and I'll pray us out.
enough to not let us just stay where we are, whether that's wounded, broken, empty, that you bring healing, that you mend us, that you fill us up, Lord. And so, Lord, we come to you as we are, but we say in the same, in the same spirit that Paul could that we're going to press on and continue to pursue you. We want to know you more. But I pray you would restore that passion in each of us today. That a passion and desire would rise up and say, I want to even, no matter how long I've been walking with you, there's always more. And we want to know you more. And so it's not by power, it's not by might, but it's by your spirit. And so Holy Spirit, fill us afresh today as we leave this place. Send us in your power. And we'll give you all the praise and all the glory. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. amen. Come on, give the Lord praise for what he's done today. Thank you, Lord.
Church, we're great to be together with you today. If you need prayer for anything, come on down front. We'll have a team. would love to pray with you. doesn't matter what it's about, big or small. Love to pray with you. Hope you have a great day, and we'll look forward to seeing you back next Sunday.